Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Bipolar podcast hosted by Emma Bell and brought to you by Bipolar UK. You can find all of our resources at www.bipolaruk.org. Welcome to this episode of Let's Talk Bipolar for Bipolar UK and this week my guest is Anastasia and Anastasia is um, somebody that lives with bipolar and is also a blogger and a podcast host and an advocate for bipolar and mental health. So Anastasia, welcome. How are you today? Thank you for having me. I mean, I'm great. It's Sunday. I'm in London and yeah, I'm good. Thank you. And I'm going to ask you the question because I'm in Dubai and you're in the UK. What's the weather like in the UK today? Oh, it's, I mean, <laughs> it's what it's always like. I mean, I think it started sunny and now it's just clouds. <laughs> and you're Australian, right? Yeah, I'm from Sydney in Australia, but I've lived here now for just over a year and a half. Okay. So um, not, not the best weather in England compared to where you're used to. No, this is definitely even, I think it's obviously autumn right now, but it's definitely colder already than the yeah. winter we have in Australia. Yeah. Well, good old blighty. We love yeah. it for its weather. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Anastasia, would you, I'd like to talk to you and get to know your story. So mm-hmm. What is your experience of living with bipolar? Um, I can see that you have been diagnosed. So if you could start with telling us what your diagnosis is and um, how long you've been diagnosed for. Yeah. So I was diagnosed with bipolar 2 disorder Mm -hmm. and that was back at the beginning of 2015. So it's been like six years now or something like that. Um, Mm. But it was a really long journey to getting Mm. diagnosed. Um, you know, I was diagnosed when I was 20 years old uh, and it's like I was in psychiatrists and psychologists since I think I was the age of nine. Mm. And yeah, it took me this entire time. And I just remember getting to that point when I was 20 and I always wanted to get help. I knew something was wrong with me and I was always diagnosed, you know, with anxiety or depression. And I just felt like something was off. I couldn't explain it. It just was, I knew I was not okay Mm -hmm. and nothing ever felt like it fitted me. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, yeah, eventually I kind of said to my mom, you know, I don't know if I can do this anymore. This is kind of the last psychiatrist I feel comfortable seeing because I'd seen so many. Mm -hmm. And luckily that was the one that, you know, got the diagnosis. And I was in shock at first, definitely. I kind of cried and just you know all I'd heard was such bad negative Mm -hmm. stigma about people with bipolar you know that they're Mm -hmm. crazy and I just thought this isn't me I'm not that person and Mm -hmm. then I did my research and I was just like this is definitely me this is who I am (laughs) this is definitely me (laughs) yeah and I always say it was the first time I felt like I belonged in the Uh world it was so weird to have that feeling of just oh my gosh like I actually totally understand who I am now and it was a really nice feeling which I know some people would think is odd getting diagnosed mm-hmm. bipolar but honestly it was the best thing that could have happened to me I think um it can sometimes feel like that makes sense yes everything made sense after that yeah so sometimes I think you know obviously nobody is delighted to be diagnosed with bipolar no. but I think it can bring sense to what has sometimes been and often been for lots of people 
lots mm. of years of senselessness and not really understanding what's happening and knowing something's wrong but not being able to find a way out and a solution mm. and not getting the right help and I think when a diagnosis comes it can bring some comfort and peace and sort of oh well this makes sense and and it kind yeah. of we can do something about this now right yeah no I completely agree I think that's the right wording is that it just it brought me a lot of peace and it mm -hmm. brought me and things just started to make sense and yeah I think you go through life just so confused and so like why am I not getting better you know I've done the hard work I'm doing the treatments I've done the medication I'm you know in therapy doing the practicing things and it just why am I not getting better why can I not mm -hmm. feel clear in the head and so mm -hmm. yeah it did it definitely changed my life for the better yeah well I'm really glad that your diagnosis brought that for you um and can I talk to you a little bit and ask you some questions around what you've just shared with me you said that you have been in with psychiatrists and therapists since about the age of nine Mm -hmm. can I ask what prompted that um line of action for you and your family at that time because that would have had to be have been instigated by your family mm -hmm. um at the age of nine so can I ask what was going on for you guys around that time I was a very anxious child um I you know they would take me to school and I couldn't enter school without my hair being perfect and if it wasn't perfect I would have a fit I would be in tears. And then I also, you know, I'd have to have my socks perfectly rolled, my shoes perfectly tight. And if these things weren't in my control, mm -hmm. I was a complete mess. I, I think for my age, it was scary for my parents to see, even though I was anxious, I think there was kind of some sort of depression there. Mm -hmm. I was really unhappy. I look back on my childhood and I was you know, given such an amazing, like the makeups for such an amazing childhood, but I don't remember any having, having any joy. Yeah. And I think my parents just, you know, they did not know what to do. They were, I had my sister and my brother who loved life. They absolutely, you know, my sister's the biggest advocate for life. She has the best life and they just didn't know kind of what to do with me. So they just started putting me into psychiatrists and, you know, I went to group therapy and it just kind of all started from there because they were just at a loss. And I think mm -hmm. because I was so, you know, upset and I took a lot of their time, it became easier for them to just say yes to things to making me feel better. So if we were going out somewhere that I didn't like, the plan would have to change for the entire family to just make sure that I was okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's a difficult situation, let alone when, this is happening for a young child in your family dynamic and you're doing your best and you don't know what to do right from what you're yeah. saying it's like they just were trying things but didn't really know hmm. the best avenue but were trying all the things right um yeah doing their best and that's, that's all we can do as humans is do our best um and it's a very young age to be dabbling in the realms of a diagnosis of something like bipolar anyhow exactly when yeah we, yeah when we look at how long it takes people to get diagnosed mm. um it's often you know quite late into adulthood it can be for people you know yeah and that really frustrates me because I mean high school for me was horrible like mm. I I honestly don't know how I got through it I nearly didn't and I nearly couldn't even complete you know my final year 
I found that really hard and it just frustrates me how long it did take to get a diagnosis and how, Mm. because I look at the kids today and I think about the ones that might be in that position and Mm -hmm. my heart just breaks for them because it is so hard. And having that feeling of not knowing what's wrong with you, but being told it's, you know, depression or being told it's just anxiety. Every, Mm -hmm. every teenager is diagnosed with anxiety because it's all hormonal where sometimes Mm -hmm. there is something so much deeper than that. And I just look back on, like, I have no regrets. I I'm glad. I think I did get the diagnosis you know, at the right time. And I'm glad I'm now where I am, but I just wish I had those other years feeling better. Mm-hmm. At least a bit more validated and understood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. I just wished I hadn't struggled as much and mm-hmm. wish I could have, you know, there were so many things I didn't do with, you know, my creativity or this and that, because I just, yeah, I was just struggling too much. So I wish I had those years to really you know understand what I wanted to do really like actually tap into my potential at school and things like that Mm. living with a serious mental health condition does before we get into a place where we know how to get the right help help ourselves stay stable for longer periods of time looking back is difficult isn't it because we look back and you can think oh so many chunks of time it feels have like just sort of been stolen really lost lost more than stolen just like lost in this sort of period of confusion of not knowing yeah and it's the not knowing that loses time and you know that's hard because it's something we can't go back and no and I never take back you know I never want to be someone that you know dwells on the past I hate that but it is I have really bad outlook on the past I really struck like when I talk about it I some like I sometimes find it really hard to talk about but like Mm -hmm. I don't want to be that person that looks back and says you know I wish I had this you know I should always be looking forward and my life is so much better now I still obviously struggle Mm -hmm. from time to time but it Mm -hmm. is a lot better than what it was but you know I always say I wish I was born at the age of like 22 something because Mm -hmm. I just that's when my life actually felt like I was living it and yeah. not just yeah so just trying yeah. to get through yeah so yeah, yeah definitely growing up was not fun <laughs> no and it's interesting you say that because I've just done a another podcast with someone who similarly to you we were talking and saying quite often we hear people around us say god oh, I'd do anything to go back and do my childhood years again you know I'd do anything to be a kid again and we were yeah. both saying I really wouldn't like yeah for me it would be my worst nightmare to go back and do it again with with everything remaining as it was now if I could go back with what I know now fair enough but go back and just do it again no thanks yeah no a (laughs) hundred percent my my most reoccurring nightmare is my last year of high school it's I I dream about it all the time and my dream is that everyone's graduating and they've told me that I have to do my final year again (laughs) and it's just that I just I hate it. It it just like yeah. And here's the thing: I, I don't think it. it's like. Um, I think there's something very valid in looking back and feeling grief, loss, and sadness mm-hmm. for something that you didn't have that, in air quotes, normal people might yes. have had, right? Yeah. And I say might have had because you know we never know what's going on in people's lives, but when we look back on parts of our childhood, I don't think it's dwelling on the past. I think it is 
us processing what needs to be processed Mm. and with that comes grief and I think with realization comes grief when you realize something about your past and it comes in you then it's followed by a wave of grief how can it not be I don't think it's dwelling I think it's actually really healthy to acknowledge it for what it was and it's okay to feel sad about the fact it wasn't as it should air quotes have been yeah I think that's something I think that's something that I need to because I definitely I think because I have such a hard time talking about it and I don't and I really get upset when I think about it Mm -hmm. I think that's my I need to try and get like I almost need to delve into it more yeah to accept what it was but I also Mm -hmm. think as a whole I was like you know bullied because of I was different you know Mm -hmm. I went through a lot of different trauma from that and so that's Mm -hmm. also another level of why it's hard I also hold like a lot of guilt about what I put my family through and of course they don't they're just like we love you that you do not need to have any guilt but I always will feel that I feel Mm -hmm. so bad for what they experienced with me Mm -hmm. um so I think it's a whole mix of emotions and Mm -hmm. I need to face up to them but I find it I I'm too scared almost to delve into them because Mm -hmm. I'm just like I know I'm gonna come out of you know a blubbering mess but sometimes I guess you have to do that you have to go through the emotions that's right the only way out is through and and it's okay yeah it's actually okay and I think I say this a lot um I say this a lot in the mentoring space and and I just feel like the younger version of ourselves can be any version. It can be the version yesterday. It can be the version 10 years ago. And the fact of the matter is that version of you doesn't know as much as what you know now. So the version five minutes ago doesn't know as the as much as the Emma right now. Yeah. So I've always, my job as the older Emma is to always turn to that younger version of myself, no matter how, how far away that is with compassion and kindness and just say to her do you know what I trust that you were doing the very best that you could with the tools that you had available with the Mm -hmm. belief that you knew that at the time that you believed was possible because if you knew any different I trust that you would have done it differently and you didn't because you couldn't Mm. because you did your best yeah no I I love that way of doing that I think that's amazing and I want to adopt that as my own I think that's great I I and I agree with you you know I do think what I did was the and I always wanted to get better and every person my mom took me to see I would go you know Mm -hmm. and I think that's the Mm -hmm. first step so I also need to look back and be really proud of myself that absolutely I kept going and Mm -hmm. I yeah I, I still had like friends I still had you know, I really put effort into doing things. So I do need to give myself some credit. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Yeah. So Yeah. Because yeah. the thing is, I guarantee you, our younger versions of ourselves are working so hard. Oh, like, yeah. If I asked you this question, your younger version of you, was she working really hard to be okay? Oh, sorry, it makes me so emotional. It's okay. But like, was she working really hard? <laughs> Yeah, it was, oh, I, as I said, I don't know. I, I was exhausted all the time. Yeah. And I just, like, I look back and I feel so sorry for her just because. There you go. I just remember, like, year nine was probably my worst when I was 15. And I mm. was, a, for a year, I was depressed. Um, and I 
just I, I don't remember I don't remember a lot of it like I remember it but I, I find it really hard to remember a lot of stuff that my sister tells me mm. um and um I just rem- I don't remember going to school that much I remember trying to stay home a lot but my mum tells me I did go way more than I thought I did but I every day going was just like I did not want to go I found it so hard I wanted to sleep forever that was the best way to describe it is that sleeping forever just felt like the happiest thing to me that was the happiest part of my, part of my life was sleeping and that still brings me comfort today I love sleep which is I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing probably it's a bad thing but that when I'm really struggling sleep is kind of like my, what I hold on to mm-hmm. um, and I think it's more about like sleeping time away Mm-hmm. um just to get through things I'm mm-hmm. so sorry for crying I just no. get like <laughs> and here's the thing never be sorry for showing how yeah. you feel yeah oh sorry there's it's no just, there's just... no there's no good or bad way to feel there's no there's no yeah. emotions that are good or bad they're all yeah. good do you know and why it's not it's they're not healthy as... yeah no I know I'm a Super big crier healthy. I always want to get it out but <laughs> I it's not as though I'm crying because I feel like I feel sad but not for me now I feel sad for the young girl that I was it's like I feel sad for a whole other person yeah and I just I feel so bad for her and Mm. then I think about all the children today and the teenagers Mm. and I'm just Mm. I feel horrible for them Mm. and I I don't I just wish I had known more sooner Mm. and you couldn't have really no yeah I mean it's not between you and your family you were doing all the things exactly and from everything you've shared with me today I don't think anyone could have tried harder yeah no we definitely tried everything and that's why I'm so thankful Mm. for my family and how supportive they are and I know there's Mm. people out there that might not have the same support that I got Mm. and I'm just so grateful to them for Mm. everything that they've done it's been I wouldn't I would definitely I know I wouldn't be here if I didn't Mm -hmm. grow up with my family 100 percent I'm I'm really glad you had them and I'm really glad you had you yeah no I feel like I'm definitely a fighter I definitely Mm -hmm. you know I think what's good about my family with their positive outlook on life my mum always says she's like I just love life I love to live Mm -hmm. and I don't totally resonate with that Mm -hmm. um but as I get older and as you know I learn more about my bipolar I definitely feel myself getting more excited about life Mm -hmm. I get really especially in the past year since moving to London I'm Mm -hmm. so excited for what the future holds for me Mm -hmm. and so yeah I'm grateful that I had the most amazing mother that is so positive and Mm -hmm. always wanted you know her baby girl as she would say to just be happy and be Mm -hmm. living my life and it's hard like it's hard right to hold both truths to be really excited about what's coming and to still have this sadness of what's gone before and still be living with this very complex mental health condition that needs managing and looking after and all of these things right (laughs) it's a lot (laughs) it's a lot I don't think people realize how Uh much management goes into it Mm -hmm. you know I I hate being out of routine I can't do it it's Mm. a spiral yeah. And yeah, I just think people have no idea how much you are so much more regimented, you know, medication, mm-hmm. making sure you're taking time out for yourself, making sure you're exercising, making sure you're eating correctly. And just, you know, even down to like, I just can't 
like I can't go out really during weeknights just because I can do it once in a while, but otherwise it just, it just rattles my brain. I can't do it. And I get really drained by people sometimes. So I have to be by myself, but then I'm this really outgoing person that loves being around people. Mm. And then I have this really amazing, positive excitement for the future. And then sometimes I then am like, I just want to sleep forever. And it's so bizarre to people that I can flip so Mm-hmm. easily into those different types of thinking mm-hmm. it's it's a full-time job yeah <laughs> it definitely is it really is <laughs> it's not easy um and I think you're doing a beautiful job of navigating what is a very difficult thing to live with yeah. um so you got diagnosed when you were 20 Mm-hmm. and how did that change because obviously by this point you're quite well versed in going to therapy seeing specialists like so how did that then change your care plan did medication change for you because I hear that you were saying that you were taking medication before as well so what changed yeah. for you after you received your diagnosis and how how has that helped and tell me a bit about that yeah so I was put on you know antidepressants and things like that growing up and then I stopped all medication and I went into a very much, you know, healthy living lifestyle Mm -hmm. and just thought that I'm just going to have to manage my anxiety and my depression for the rest of my life. Um, But it was very debilitating. Like Mm -hmm. I, I had to drop out of university and all of that. And when I got diagnosed, um, I mean, I think therapy is amazing, but I can't do it long-term. It really Mm -hmm. drains me. And I, at the moment, am considering going back into therapy. But when I got diagnosed, I went on medication. It took a few months for the medication to kind of work. But Mm. I just woke up one day and I was just like, I feel balanced. Everything just felt clearer. And I just, I don't even know how to explain it. I just felt more comfortable doing things. And I just felt like, oh, is this how I meant? I I felt, I hate saying it. And I'm saying things, (laughs) I felt normal. Like I just felt normal. But I still felt me. I still felt that I was creative. I still felt that I was, you know, funny or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I felt normal. Yeah. Um, and that really helped. And I didn't go back to therapy then. But then, and I felt great. Mm-hmm. But then a few years later, I just kind of, I definitely put myself in an environment that wasn't great. I was in a job that I wasn't confident in. I had a few friends that I was having trouble with. And I, you know, was drinking a lot more, partying a lot more and I got really depressed again and anxious. And I, you know, kind of was like, oh, this is, I'm meant to be fine now. I'm meant to be okay. And I was probably at my very worst. I was definitely contemplating suicide and that terrified my sister. You know, they were on the phone to um, hospitals trying to get me maybe into somewhere to have a, you know, 72 hour hold. Mm-hmm. And finally, um, I went to a sleep doctor because I have narcolepsy okay. and I was really struggling with sleep. I would see, I would wake up and see people in my room. I would scream. I got really paranoid that someone was trying to kill my dog <laughs> and they did a sleep study and I, he deals with a lot. The guy I went to deals a lot with veterans yeah. and he, they found, I don't know the science behind it, but he said there is a link between bipolar, narcolepsy, and post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of like, okay, I didn't really understand what he was saying. And then he just kept asking me, you know, 
have you had any trauma in your life? And when I think of trauma, I think of someone that's been, you know, sexually assaulted, someone that's, Mm -hmm. you know, just things, domestic violence. So I was quite violent. Yeah. Violent. And Mm -hmm. I was like, no, I, I'm, I have not had any trauma and he kept pushing it. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I've been badly bullied. Like that might, I don't know. That's probably the worst thing I can think of um, because I was bullied about, I was called the whale. I was bullied about my weight um, growing up and yeah, I'd get called a beached whale and things like that. And um, I'd get phone calls. I was just like harassed about it. And I also think just from my anxiety when I was a kid, I think that just caused trauma in itself because I was in situations where I was so overwhelmed and anxious that I'm now. Yeah. And so he sent me to a psychiatrist who started me on antidepressants that work well with my bipolar medication. Mm -hmm. And it was, I think antidepressants can be really difficult at first. I definitely went really numb. And I know that's a very common feeling that people describe. So they could then go off them. Mm-hmm. I went really numb and then I started, I was very like monitored with my psychiatrist. I went up and up and then same thing with my bipolar medication. I just felt great one day. I had to quit my job. I went into five months of really intense therapy to discuss my trauma. That was really hard because after every therapy session, my mom would have to drive me home because I was so exhausted that I couldn't drive. Like I was, ex- and I was 23 at this point. Mm-hmm. um and so yeah I spent five months at home with my parents just working on myself exercising I picked up drawing a bit mm-hmm. uh and then one day I just realized I was ready to go back to work mm-hmm. and yeah I went back to work and things just became easier and I still I still find it hard to deal with that trauma but that that part of therapy really helped me that five months yeah I think was amazing for me mm-hmm. trauma therapy is incredible and it's exhausting. Oh my gosh, it's so exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> so tiring. I would come home and I would sleep the rest of the day mm-hmm. because I was, and then it got to a point where I felt like I'd exhausted the conversation so much that I was like, I feel like I can accept what's happened and I know I still need to do some work on it, but I've accepted mm-hmm. it and I'm happy with where I'm at today. And yeah. I was ready to just be like, I need a break from this. So yeah. yeah. I see like, um, therapy and trauma therapy especially but sort of most therapies like gardening right right say say you go out into your garden right and you've never done any gardening before and it's full of weeds so you go out and you do all the garden take up all the weeds and it's really nice right and after Mm. a while like you've done you look around there's no more weeds to pull out you've pulled them all out right and then you sit down and that that's the moment I think we need to sit down and just kind of enjoy the garden for a bit yeah but here's the thing eventually you've got to do a little bit more weeding but if we maintain it then we're never going to get to overgrown stage again we just pull them out as they happen right so as something triggers us or if we get another flashback or whatever it is we just go right I'm just going to go in and it's never going to be quite as hard as it was the first time because mm. guess what? It's not jungle out there anymore. We've just got two or three weeds this time. So we're just going to do that. And then we're going to sit down again. And we're going to enjoy our garden for a bit. Yeah, I love that. I just think the first time's hard. Yeah, it's because so, it's a jungle. <laughs> I, it, I think it's like the sitting down and going through yeah. where you've been, you know, and yeah. going through that whole history yeah. and reliving that and but yeah, I did. And when I came to London, a friend introduced me to, I can't remember the name. I think it's EMDR or EDMR. Yes, EMDR. 
it was amazing it, it honestly it can be amazing yeah yeah and I I mean I want to go back but it was weird sitting there and not really talking just thinking of a memory and then suddenly I'm in tears and <laughs> you know and I that was exa- I get really exhausted by e- stuff EMDR and, is exhausting and for yeah. our last days actually yeah mm-hmm. I only got through I did three sessions mm-hmm. and then I haven't done it again I know I met I should go back because at the moment I think my next I feel like we always have things to tackle mm-hmm. so I feel like I had trauma and stuff and now I'm really struggling with like my insecurities about just my myself as a person and you know mm-hmm. will I just things yeah like my weight and everything like that and I now know that's something okay I need to now tackle this part of mm-hmm. my life mm-hmm. um but I've just got to I know I always feel like I make excuses but I know I need to do it I just I haven't I don't feel like I'm there yet to do it but then I guess it's always just like you have to start somewhere mm. but I'm scared just because I feel like I'm maintaining things so well at the moment that I don't know if I can handle doing it right now. I just, mm-hmm. it scares me. Everything in our own time, right? And and that that gardening kind of thought, I think it, it's, it's okay to take a break. It's okay to sit mm. down and just go, well, I'm kind of all right at the minute, right? Like with, with deep therapy work, right? Um, if you're going to like a support group or whatever, they're good things to kind of maintain. But if you're going to suddenly dive into something and it's like a project, then it's Ooh. okay to take a break and do it when we feel we can, you know, that's all right. Um, yeah. It's lifelong work. Um, much Definitely. to my disappointment, because I thought at the beginning, I'd just go into therapy, pop out the other side, be fixed and life would be peachy again. And uh, yeah. it comes as a shock then when you go through another phase of mood and you realize, oh, <laughs> Oh, I this is a one-time what, fix affair. <laughs> I think that's what I struggled with as well was, mm. you know, I thought going on medication and everything was like, oh, it's done. I'm fixed. I'm normal now. Therefore, I should always feel fine. Exactly. Mm. And I forget that medication can only do so much. Mm-hmm. And it definitely helps me in recognizing, you know, I feel like I'm able to recognize my episodes better mm-hmm. and I'm able to kind of see the bigger picture, but I still feel the ways I felt during my bipolar, like during my un, um, undiagnosed bipolar, mm-hmm. I just am able to sometimes sit there and be like, okay, this is my bipolar. Mm-hmm. I know that things, I have more of a, like, I know it's going to get better. I need yes. to just, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good way to say it. And that's one of my little bunches is I will say to myself, all I know is that how I feel will change. Now, I'm not yes. sure what it's going to change to. <laughs> we can't be certain. I've got a good yeah. idea. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't be 100% sure. But yeah. I know that it's going to change. I know that how I feel cannot and will not stay this way forever. So I've just got to hang on. Yeah. Because I know it will change. And when it changes, then I might have the energy to do something different. Yeah. You know, and whereas the first time or before diagnosis, I think when you don't understand what's happening to you, that's when you can lose hope because, and trust that it will change and trust that things might be feeling different, however that may be, um, after a period of time, because you just think, well, how long is this going to go on for? Is this ever going to end? Am I, you know, you start to ask yourself all these questions that lead you to a place of hopelessness and fear. Whereas I think once you get a diagnosis and you start to like you say become more aware and understand a bit more you can start to trust 
a bit in the process if that makes any sense not that we're always going to feel okay because that's not the case it's not reality but trusting that we've been here before and we came out the other side in some shape or form and you know we're going to ride the wave and trust that how I feel will change and that's that's a certain right it will change (laughs) definitely and I I get so worried saying for people like on my podcast when they've seen me I have had an episode where I've been down Mm -hmm. and I get worried to show that because I don't want people who aren't diagnosed to Mm -hmm. think that oh well even if I go on medication or go through therapy I'm still going to be like that Mm -hmm. it is a very different feeling it's Mm -hmm. very different from the previous like yes of course everyone gets sad like you do still have -hmm. those experiences but I do it I agree it's a very different Mm -hmm. feeling of it will get better you have that that hope in you yeah and like a knowing yeah um been on this memory go round before you know yeah uh, so exactly. yeah it's um it's very difficult and it's very yeah for people I think it is also important though for people that are not diagnosed to know that just because they get a diagnosis and get onto some medication that might suit them better doesn't mean that this living with this and how this feels is going to be normal or feel you're going to be normal and all of this will be eliminated from your life Mm. I think it's important to not not send that message either because that's definitely not the case it's just a case of we get better at living with this and better at managing it and better at respecting it and we get to know what we need right yeah and life has to change yes I think it's best to say that you know that's why I always say I have bipolar disorder it doesn't yeah yeah, it doesn't go away it's not like I eradicate it it's still there I just manage it. Yeah. 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 That's and it. I mean, who who wants to be normal anyway? <laughs> what well, I don't think normal exists. Yeah, it doesn't exist. <laughs> um, and can you share with us some ways in which your life has changed or that you've chosen to change your life to help you live with bipolar in a way that helps you to have more periods of stability? Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I've always been someone for routine, so I definitely use that. But I guess my life definitely changed in terms of like, I've definitely become a lot more confident. And I think confidence has really helped me with talking about my bipolar. And I think talking about my bipolar so openly has done wonders for me. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not a kept secret. It's, and it really is almost like therapy for me as well. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy talking about it. And I think it helps me feel, even though I am insecure about parts of myself, it's helped me to feel more secure about my bipolar. Mm -hmm. That's something that I feel very secure in. My other parts of like my insecurities come from my body image, which is trauma from my past and things like that. But mm-hmm. when it comes to my bipolar, I have no apologies. I'm very much, and I think that comes from me talking openly about it. So everyone knows and everyone can love me for who I am. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, but no, yeah, my life is definitely, I mean, I would never have moved across the world, you know, mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. And so that's been amazing. It's been hard. There's things I have to realize I can't do necessarily I'm never going to be someone that travels around the world 24 7 I can't Mm -hmm. do that traveling for me is a big deal Mm -hmm. um and you know going away I can only really go for a little bit at a time so I guess it's just like learning those things about you that Mm -hmm. I've had to learn to help make me feel just make me manage it Mm 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so I've just tried to keep tabs on like, you know, it's all about like kind of trial and error, I guess, you know, keeping tabs on what affects you, what doesn't affect you, making sure that you're okay to spend that weekend at home and not feel FOMO about going out and doing things like that. You know, I had a party the other week that I'd been so hyped up for. I bought this amazing costume and last minute I was like I actually just really need a week at home because I'd started a new job I just moved houses and I was like I need to like reset my brain and being comfortable with those decisions there's nothing wrong with that you need self-care days you know they're important so things like that for me and those changes and just being comfortable with the fact that I have bipolar Mm -hmm. I think that's really the big thing is just being comfortable with it and being Mm -hmm. secure knowing that being bipolar is completely fine and Mm -hmm. should be accepted and has yes definitely some negatives but it's like not as I feel like there's definitely misconceptions with it and Mm -hmm. you know at the end of the day everyone has their problems everyone has issues they just come in different forms no Mm -hmm. one's perfect Mm -hmm. and just loving myself for who I am and how I was born and they have those kind of ways of thinking have really helped me and just I just feel like I've grown from thinking like that I love that and it's and that is it isn't it so we grow up thinking that we know who we are Mm. and then when you then find out you're living with something like bipolar we have to get to know how we need to be and actually live yeah with bipolar and that's different to who we've kind of coined ourselves to be or the type of person we, you know, we think we are because maybe mm. a part a type of how we are doesn't actually fit with the behavior that is necessary to be, to, yeah. to be stable. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's weird because growing up my whole life, it was always that I, I was always kind of not taught, but made out to be like, I'm the one with the issues. I'm the one with the problems. I'm the one that needs to change to fit in. And that really did drag me down a lot because I was kind of thinking, well, why doesn't everyone else have to change? Like, why is it me with the issues? Why can't everyone else work on themselves? Why do I need to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it is unfortunate that we have to work on ourselves, but it's not necessarily to fit in with everyone else, even though I do work on myself a lot to make sure I fit into the box, you know, at work to make sure Mm -hmm. that I'm not saying inappropriate things and all those Mm -hmm. types of things. But it's also, it's actually what I realized was to keep me stable and to make sure that I was being okay for myself. Because if I didn't, you know, work on myself, the situations I would put myself in then would have an effect on me. They wouldn't Mm -hmm. impact, like, I mean, they have some sort of an impact on others, but everyone else would go on with their life where Mm -hmm. I really had to realize that I'm making these changes to help myself. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's, that is where it flips from feeling controlled to being empowered as well. Yes. Like I've got to do this to, I actually want to do this because if I do this, I'm going to feel better. Well, I'm going to be the best version of myself that I can be. It's not to make everyone else happy. It's actually to make yourself the most amazing person for you yeah thank you so much for our chat today I've loved talking to you um and I've loved hearing all of your um self-care kind of the way you look after yourself now that you know you live with bipolar um could you please share with our listeners where they can find you where can they find your blog your podcast I will put it in the show notes but from you where can we find you 
Yeah. So yes, I have a podcast called The Bipolar Diaries. Uh, you can find it on, I mean, a lot of different platforms, but mainly I'm, my, most of my listeners are on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a Facebook page, The BP Diaries. I have a blog, www.thebpdiaries.com. And I'm also on Instagram, which is the bipolar diaries underscore. And I post a lot of my podcast trailers there. It's a bit different. It's a bit more like I use a lot of humor because that's how I get through life. I have to poke fun at myself. Um, But yeah, so that's where everyone can find me. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed getting to know you today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Let's Talk Bipolar, the podcast brought to you by Bipolar UK. Please go to our website, www.bipolaruk.org, for all of our resources and all of the support that we can offer you.